Hello, this is Joshua Mack from Cornerstone Bible Church, and uh, we're talking marriage and family. It is uh, amazing how confusing relationships can become, isn't it? Uh, especially marriage relationships. I know that I have uh, sat down and talked with couples and just really scratched my head. What do we do? <laughs> how do I help? Well, whenever I'm confused, I like to go back to the basics. What do I know for sure? Sometimes we get so focused on what's confusing that we uh, just get lost. And yet if we would go back to what we hold to be fundamental convictions, what is clear, there really is a path forward. And so, uh, for example, uh, one thing we know to be true for sure is that marriage is for the glory of God. So marriage is about something uh, bigger than just me and my spouse. Ultimately, uh, everything that exists is for God. It is uh, his story, and we are characters in it. We exist. We are instruments in God's hands to bring him glory, and that's good because he deserves the glory. And marriage is one of the tools he's given us to bring him glory. And so marriage is about uh, something more than just my comfort or my pleasure. It ultimately is about his glory. That's first. That's fundamental. Another uh, thing we know for sure that is just really clear clear in Scripture is that a marriage is a, a unique relationship. Marriage is a uh, priority. It is the most important human relationship that you have. And uh, one of the ways we know that is because of what Moses says in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Uh, Genesis 2, 24 is God talking on marriage before the the fall. And uh, really, uh, Genesis 2, 24 is kind of shocking. We're used to it, but the statement itself is uh, is shocking. Genesis 2, 24, when God talks about marriage, he says, leave your father and mother and cleave to your wife and become one flesh. Now, in our culture, of course, that doesn't really sound shocking. It sounds uh, normal. But in most cultures, it isn't. Uh, I forget where I was reading uh, that if you ask most Western people, imagine you're on a boat, the boat is sinking, and your wife, your friend, and your mother are all on the boat, and you can only save one person, who would you save? And most everyone's uh, just like, of course, your, your spouse, uh, your wife. But in the Middle East, the instinctive response would be, of course, your mother. I remember reading Kenneth Bailey. He's a scholar who's very familiar with uh, Middle Eastern culture. And he was saying, imagine someone from the Middle East was thinking about moving to America. And he's maybe in his early 30s. And uh, there might be someone who would say to him and, and probably would say to him, aren't you going to bury your father first? And, you know, his father might only be in his 50s even. And so there's likely going to be 20 more years, 30 more years, 40 more years before he dies. And yet the point is you can't just go off and leave. You have this duty to take care of your father. And so you can't even think really about moving somewhere until you fulfill that responsibility first. As one man puts it, ancient cultures put enormous emphasis on the parent-child relationship. Pleasing your parents, being faithful to the wishes of your parents was all important. In a more traditional cultures, even today, parents and grandparents are given greater authority and children are expected to heed their parents' wishes above all other requests. Uh, 
And yet, as uh, Tim Keller explains, right in the middle of those patriarchal cultures, in the face of those realities, God says, I didn't put a parent and a child in the garden. I put a husband and a wife. When you marry your spouse, that must supersede all other relationships, even the parental relationship. Your spouse and your marriage must be your number one priority in life. Your marriage must be more important to you than anything else. No other human being should get more of your love, energy, industry, and commitment than your spouse. God asks that a man leave his father and his mother, as as powerful as that relationship may have been, to forge a new union that must be an even more important and powerful force in his life. This is uh, clear. It's, It's not really complicated. When you're confused, it's important to go back to the basics. And uh, one of the fundamental truths the Bible teaches about marriage is that marriage, this relationship, is the priority human relationships relationship. If you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if you had a Bible <laughs> or uh, think about 1 Corinthians chapter 7, maybe you know the, the chapter. Paul's talking about marriage and the responsibilities that a husband has to his wife and a wife has to her husband. And in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 33, Paul states it as a fact that it's proper and right for a man who's married to be concerned about the earthly needs of his wife and to be concerned about how he may please his wife. Not uh, his wife and someone else, but uh, his wife. He, he cannot merely think about himself, about what he wants. He must think about what his wife wants, about what would be good for and pleasing to his wife. So he has a unique responsibility to please his wife. Obviously, we're to uh, consider everyone's interests above our own, but there's a unique responsibility a husband has to pleasing his wife. And so part of being married means the couple has to leave behind their previous identification as a single person thinking in terms of I. Now they must think in terms of we. They're not just roommates living kind of separate lives they are uh, they are one. It means they have to leave their independence in terms of the use of their money, their time, their friendships, fulfilling their desires, their work, uh, their, their recreation. They're not independent units any longer. They are now a we. I don't know. I think that might be shocking uh, for some of us. But this means when uh, the husband makes decisions, he must think carefully about how the decision he makes will impact his wife. He cannot be faithful to the Lord if he is unfaithful to his wife. Thinking about her, caring for her, protecting her, encouraging her must take precedence over all other considerations except his relationship with the Lord. As a married person, he doesn't have the freedom to function in the way he previously functioned. Now he has responsibilities that he previously did not have. And that's not just true for the husband. Verse 34, we see that the woman who's married can't merely think about herself when she makes decisions about the use of her time and her energy. She must and she should focus on how she may please her husband, not her husband and In fact, she cannot be faithful to the Lord if she's unfaithful to her husband. Thinking about and caring for her husband, pleasing her husband, must take precedence over all other considerations except her relationship with the Lord. As a married person, she does not have the freedom to function the way she previously functioned. Now she has responsibilities to her husband that she previously did not have. Which, of course, only makes sense, uh, really, in the Christian worldview. 
So I've been thinking lately, you know, uh, we don't really stop and consider very often the fact that we're going to die. But the unbeliever, I mean, you need to think about death and you need to think about marriage and marriage in light of death. Because the unbeliever, uh, when they get married, um, it's almost like they're two people in a lifeboat. And that lifeboat is uh, on the ocean and they're never going to reach land. And so they're just trying to figure out how to survive in the lifeboat together without uh, killing each other. And uh, really, for the unbeliever, because they're going to go into the ground and nobody's going to go into the ground uh, with them. And once they're in the ground, they think it's all over. The the thing, if they're going to be honest with themselves, that matters more than anything else, is their comfort in that moment. I mean, really, nothing else matters (laughs) if you're going to the ground and that's all there is. That's just the way it is. And so that means then that the wife or the husband, when they look at the other person, if they're going to be really living life in a way that makes sense according to their worldview, that death is the end, all that really matters is getting the other person to do what you want to do what brings you comfort or makes uh, brings you pleasure. But as Christians, we know that we're going to stand before God, that death is not the end. It's just the beginning. And so that makes our marriage about something bigger than just our comfort in that moment. And it means that now we are actually uh, freed up and uh, really uh, motivated actually to live for something more than just getting our spouse to do what we want. We now can and really do have good reason to consider their interests more important than our own. And not just considering their interests more important than our own to, to manipulate them to do what we want so we're comfortable, but considering their interests more important than our own because we know we're both going to stand before God someday and we have responsibilities to God. But marriage is uh, is the priority human relationship. And when Paul talks about what that means in the specifics, he says that it means the husband and the wife, they're not just independent units trying to figure out how to get the other person to do what they want, but instead they now have a responsibility to think about not just themselves, but how they can please the other person. And that is good. <laughs> And, and they and they do that because they want to please the Lord. Marriage is about pleasing God, and one specific way we do that is by pleasing our our spouse. When a person marries, Paul's really saying in First Corinthians seven, that person must be willing to leave behind anything that would keep them from being the husband or wife that God wants them to be. If there's something that would please the mate that God would not forbid them to change, then they should be willing to make that change. So if I'm a husband and it makes my wife happy to have me wash the dishes, then since doing the dishes isn't forbidden by the Lord, I ought to be willing to help with the dishes. If it pleases my wife to write her a note on her birthday or send her a card on Valentine's Day, then I ought to be willing. If it pleases my wife to put my dirty clothes in a certain place, then since putting my dirty clothes in a certain place is not forbidden by the Lord, I ought to. If it pleases my wife to hang up my clothes, then since hanging up my clothes is not forbidden by the Lord, uh, I ought to do it. If she wants me to walk with her, hold her hand, show appreciation to her, then I ought to be willing to do that and actually make a priority out of doing that because this relationship is a unique kind of relationship. If, If 
I'm a wife and it would please my husband to do certain things and what he wants me to do is not forbidden by the Lord, then if it's possible for me to do it, I ought to do it. I know that doing it will please the Lord as well as please my husband. The point is, a married person, as a married person, I can no longer make up my mind about what I do or don't do merely on the basis of whether it will please me or please my friends or please my boss. If I'm a married person, what I want or don't want or what I feel like doing or don't feel like doing is not actually the priority issue. The issue is more, well, how do I honor God by pleasing my spouse? And if what my spouse wants is not forbidden by God, uh, I should make pleasing him or her a priority issue in my life. And uh, we need to evaluate, uh, is it? Is it? Because obviously uh, there are lots of reasons people have problems in marriages and why it gets confusing, but one of the most common reasons is that they have let good things become more important and more of a priority than their spouse. Uh, The problem, of course, is getting people to admit that because uh, most people, if you if when their marriages are in trouble and you ask them, well, is your husband or wife a priority with you? Many people who are Christians would say, well, of course, they're a priority. But we need to take that a step further and be honest and ask ourselves some specific questions like, Well, you say it's a priority, but what would your spouse say? If I asked your spouse, do they think they are a priority to you, how would they respond? Or if you were to put on, if you were put on trial to to determine whether or not your mate is a priority with you, what evidence would you give to substantiate your statement that your mate is a priority in your life? What evidence would you give to prove that your spouse's desires or interests of well-being are more important than your own interests or desires or concerns? What evidence would you give to prove that you're more concerned about pleasing your mate than you are about even pleasing yourself? What evidence would you give to prove that you're more concerned about your spouse's joy than just you getting your way? Maybe you could sit down with your spouse and say, "Uh, honey, Do you think you're a priority in my life? Do you think I treat you like you're really precious to me? Do you think that I'm more concerned about pleasing you than I am about pleasing me? And if they say to you, yeah, I think that's true, then ask, well, what do I do that encourages that? And that will tell you what you should keep on doing. But if your spouse says, no, there's times when I don't think I'm a priority in your life, then you should Ask your spouse for forgiveness. Don't just say, no, how could you believe that? I can't believe you would ever say that. Oh, my goodness. No. If they're saying, you know what, you're not a, I'm not a priority to you, that's, that's not how God designed marriage to be. That's sin. And so you need to ask for forgiveness, and you should ask your spouse a couple other questions like, what is it that I do or don't do that causes you to think that you're not a priority in my life? And what would you like me to do or not do that would demonstrate to you how important you are to me? And then uh, make a plan. If if that's not violating scripture, uh, make a plan. Honey, with God's help, I'm going to work on changing and, uh, and, and get busy 
doing what will communicate to your spouse that they're a priority to you. Priority to you. Um, evaluate your relationship and evaluate it honestly. What means more to you, your spouse or your children or your parents? Talking with your mate or talking with someone else? Your mate's or your spouse's opinion or someone else's opinion? Um, praying with your spouse or with other people? Helping your, uh, your parents or, or helping your spouse? Your recreational activities or your spouse? That's kind of a convicting one, isn't it? I mean, in terms of just sad that we would ever make sports or crafts or anything like that more important than the spouse God's given us. But we do that, don't we? If you're going to move forward in your marriage relationship, you need to go back to the basics. You're, you're never going to be able to deal with situations that are confusing if you don't at least get the fundamentals right. And uh, one of the fundamentals is that marriage is for the glory of God. But another fundamental is that the marriage relationship needs to be a priority. If marriage is about the glory of God, one of the ways you glorify God is by making a priority out of your spouse. Why? Why does God do that? Well, Part of why God designed marriage this way is because he loves you. <laughs> he loves you. And he wants this he wants to give you a gift of this unique relationship. Another reason uh, why God calls on the marriage to be a priority is because he has designed marriage to have an especially powerful influence on the course of your life. This is a relationship that he has designed to change you and we all know change is very hard and we don't change easily but to help us change and become more like christ which brings him glory and does good for us he has given us the marriage relationship tim keller puts it like this he says the reason marriage must have priority is because of the power of marriage marriage has the power to set the course of your life as a whole if your marriage is strong even if all the circumstances of your life around you are filled with trouble and weakness, it won't matter. You won't, you'll be able to move out into the world in strength. However, if your marriage is weak, even if all the other circumstances in your life around you are marked by success and strength, it won't matter. You will move out into the world in weakness. Marriage has that kind of power, the power to set the course of your whole life. It has that power because it was instituted by God. And because it has unequaled power, it must have unequaled supreme priority. Now, of course, when we talk about marriage having a priority like this, we're not saying that we should idolize marriage and that, okay, it's just me and my spouse living on an island. I've sometimes uh, joked with Marta that, uh, yeah, I could see living on an island with her, but actually it if we did something like that, just me and Marta somewhere by ourselves, that would ruin, <laughs> that would be a problem for our marriage, even if we were completely happy. Because marriage wasn't designed just for us. One of the reasons why we make a priority out of marriage is so that we can glorify God and serve God better together. And we won't be of help real help to other people if we don't live 
according to God's design for marriage. And so one of the reasons why we make such a priority out of the marriage relationship is so that we can be the kind of people who really will be useful to God and uh, for his cause.